0: Simon and Wayne's speaking Review, with your hosts,
1: Simon Jones
0: and Wayne Bolt. Hello! Hello! And welcome to Spitting Review. With, with me, Simon Jones. And me, Wayne Bolt. We're back after a bit of a hiatus with what I like to call the second season, where we're going to be taking a slightly different approach to the show. Rather than focusing on mainstream reviews of movies that you've probably seen reviewed in a million other places, mm. probably two months before we got around to doing it. Yes. We're going to be taking a look at some slightly more unusual fare and more independent stuff.
2: But we are keeping the trailer park.
0: Yes, because we like doing that. We like the
2: trailer park, it's quite entertaining.
0: Yeah, even when it punishes us with terrible films. Which we'll come on to that later.
2: Yes. So what are we are going to be uh, doing today then, Simon? Uh,
0: we're going to be talking about the 48-hour film challenge that is run by Sci-Fi London. Uh, this has been going for three years, I think, now. And the last two years, we've actually taken part with our own little team up in here, here in Norwich. Um, the most recent one was at the start of the month. And April 2011. Yes, in case you're watching this in the or, future. Or listening. Or listening, yes. It's been a while since we've done this. <laughs> it is. Um, so yes, uh, and we're going to be talking to Christopher Puttuk, who directed um, our entry this year. Um, he co-directed last year's one, Orphan Factory, and this time took it on himself to direct the whole project, um, bringing back a lot of the same crew uh, from last year, and people we've worked with before, um, some of them on Arms Race and other projects like that.
2: You right there, Wayne? Yeah, I'm just checking. We've got a new podcast machine, Yeah. so we're not sure how this is going
0: to turn out. It's very high tech, so uh, hopefully you can hear us. If, if you can't hear us, then I don't know why we put it up. That would make no sense at all. all. Anyway,
2: um, so let's uh, get on and welcome Christopher Patek to the show.
0: Hello. Um, Yeah, Chris has been involved with numerous film projects around It's a Trap. Um, Yeah, Pretty much everything we've done you've been involved with to some degree over the last few years. Yes. Um, Yes, Arms uh Race, Chris was involved right at the last minute, pretty much, um, and kind of came onto the set as camera assist I guess and then due to various incidents throughout the day ended up kind of being first AD. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Which was unexpected but there you go. Um, Like I said co-directed Orphan Factory last year and directed temporary status this year for this year's 48 hour. Mm -hmm. Um, So first question why do 48 hour projects?
1: There's something very satisfying about doing a 48 hour project. Um, A lot of projects tend to drag on Uh, for months and months and can get stuck in post quite often. Uh, The beauty of a 48-hour project is that you have your finished result within the two-day period. Uh, It's hard work, um, but as long as everyone's on board, you can get a a decent result within a short period and have something to show for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess you can get
0: more people involved potentially because they know that they're committing this defined part of their life rather than potentially the next two years of faffing about with all sorts of different things.
1: Yes, and uh, obviously you're, you're not being let down. If, if you get someone on board and something takes a couple of months, people obviously have lives outside of that project um, and you can find yourself without an actor or um, you know, without a team that you originally built up for no reason, uh, for no, through no fault of people...
0: Yeah, because I guess this is particularly a problem when you're doing volunteer stuff. Obviously, when people are getting paid, it's all slightly different. And things tend to kind of tick along more nicely when people are getting paid as well. Uh, When it's all completely volunteer, everyone's just being involved because they like making movies or because you've convinced them down the pub. Uh, You need to kind of crack on with it. And the 40-hour focuses it all into that really small period. Um, So last year, Mm -hmm. which was... 2010. 2010. That's a long time ago. Uh, a year. Yeah, we did the Orphan Factory, which was we did um, our first attempt at a forty-eight hour project. Was it your first attempt? At it that was. Kind of thing? Yes. Uh, yeah. Anything on that sort of timescale? Yes. Yeah, so going into it, uh, what did you expect from the the whole concept of doing it in
1: two days? I think I expected it to um, be hard work, but I thought I'd probably get more sleep than I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I've now learned across the two years that if you look, if you get three hours sleep within the forty eight hour period, you're probably doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does seem that if you're in the sort of directing type position, you're basically not really going to have any sleep. That's yeah, that pretty much sums yeah, it up. That's just a given, I think. Um, yeah,
2: the acting and writing side of it, uh, you're pretty much wrapped by Sunday afternoon and go down the pub. Yes, Very enjoyable. yes. Yeah, well, that, that well seems to be soon. built yeah, in. Nice to update you with text messages as to how far through jugs of ale we are. Yeah, that does seem to be yes. written into the writers' schedules that
0: you must be in the pub by Sunday afternoon. <laughs> um, so how did it go last year um, in terms of the whole experience and what you kind of got out of it, um, in
1: terms of uh, sort of figuring out how you wanted to approach it differently this year? Um, last year, I think a lot of lessons were learnt around... Um, Having the team on board um, and from the beginning, but defining roles better at the beginning, um, especially around the concept stage and the writing stage. You you want everyone on board um, from the beginning so that they buy into the, the project. You're going to be asking a lot of those people within 48 hours. Um, so you want them to buy into whatever idea you run with, but too many cooks... Uh, can be a problem at the concept stage as well. Uh, we learnt a lot last year about saving time at the beginning from uh, by reducing the number of people involved in the writing.
0: Yeah, to clarify for people that maybe aren't familiar with the 48-hour concept, uh, the way these are run to try and make sure you do it just within those 48 hours is you get a brief at the start. So in the Sci-Fi London one, you get a title, a line of dialogue and a prop, and then you have to come up with something to fit all that kind of stuff in. And last year with Orphan Factory... Having not really done it before, we basically had the entire cast and crew in a room when the brief came in, and then we spent three hours just throwing ideas around. And around that, yeah. A lot of interesting stuff came out of it, but it took a very long time.
2: Well, last year, we did have a particularly obtuse uh, set of um, specifications, though. We did. And, we did. And we were trying to avoid the obvious, um, which is what, which we, ended which is what anyway. we ended up doing anyway.
1: So it's just <laughs> yeah. day, but.
0: This is kind of the lottery of this kind of thing, and that you don't have any idea what you're going to get, and potentially. You could be a team that gets great stuff, whereas another team can get a really hard line of dialogue. Um, I think this year there was a line of dialogue about a Dulux dog exploding in the toilet, um, which is actually worse than our line of dialogue last year. That
1: that is worse. But that is part of the fun of the project as well, um, having to be creative within those constraints. Yes. Um, It can be hard, but that adds to the challenge.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, being forced to, to work. To a particular brief so that you kind of narrows down your possibilities and then you have to try and work around the inherent problems that come up with that. Yep. Um, so um, one thing that different teams approach differently to these these 48 hours is how much creative stuff to do in advance like before the actual 48 hours begins um, and certainly this year um, our team basically didn't do any.
1: No, I'm very much of the opinion that part of the fun of the challenge is to do it all within the 48 hours um, some teams do a lot of preparation before they get to the briefing stage up to the point of, of some teams I'm sure write their entire plot before they get a briefing and then try and shoehorn in their three elements into the plot they've already written and, and the locations and um, that they've already prepped. That is certainly one way of doing it but I find that you run the risk of those items appearing very shoehorned in, um, and it becomes obvious that you've done that. The other problem is that you can end up altering things at the last moment um, and end up with a film that doesn't really make sense um, or with a title that doesn't make sense to the film that you wanted to shoot. And really, if you're going to shoot a film, if you're going to put that much preparation in, why not take two weeks over it and uh, make a, a really good short film? Yeah, and shoot it properly without the kind of artificial constraints of yes. the 48 hour thing.
0: Yeah. Um, so, um, there is some discussion after the competition this year um, with different teams wondering whether professional teams should be uh, taken out of the competition, or whether there should be a budget limit on how many how much money people can put into their projects to try and kind of level the playing field. Because obviously, everyone's coming at this thing with different resources uh, mm-hmm. what do you reckon to the idea of, of doing that kind of thing
1: I don't think that there I personally have no problem with professional teams being involved they're under the same constraints as um, everyone else they have the same 48 hours to shoot in their films might look a little prettier because they have better equipment to shoot it on but that is the only thing that they really have an advantage in in my opinion uh, their art departments still have to prepare whatever they're going to prepare um, they can still get the same number of people on board. They might may have better contacts, but that doesn't stop um, amateur teams from making contacts in order to do the film. And they can propel their own careers forward through making those contacts. So, in a way, getting, getting uh, professional teams on board um, and competing against them is a good way of pushing yourself as an amateur team to in- increase your own... Uh, filmmaking skills. Yeah, I think being on the same kind of arena as professional teams is probably a really
0: good thing because you're being your work is being exposed to those professionals and it kind of brings it all together. You're not just working at an amateur level where no one else sees it. It kind mm-hmm. of brings everything up to the surface a bit more.
2: Um, oh, I think the challenge, the good thing with it as well is the fact that 48 hours is the big leveller. Um, yeah. Because it doesn't matter how good you are at being professional. If you can't do it under pressure to that time scale, um, you're going to suffer the same as... Uh, a, a willing amateur who's um, also under the 48 hour pressure. And I think mean, it's just the but that is the key thing to it, because uh, you can't really uh, try and justify uh, stopping people entering or having budgets and stuff, because you just, how are you going to do it? Yeah, it, it's there's like, no you, way you can. No, because us, we're not exactly, you know, we're not professional with what we're doing, but we have professional contacts and are able to borrow professional equipment. Uh, Would that then class us with professional? Unless yeah, exactly.
0: There's it. no way to really define it. Um, yeah. And I think also potentially. The 48-hour restriction is is in some ways going to be harder for the professionals because they're used to a particular workflow and way of working, and having to suddenly do it in such an unusual manner could be harder for them than it is for amateurs who just kind of do what comes to them uh, anyway.
1: I think you mentioned budget as well. I I don't think that having an excessive budget necessarily makes a good film. You can make a, a really good film in a room with... No no fancy lighting. You can write a really good film and shoot it fantastically well um, with no budget. You don't need a fantastic budget to shoot a good film. There are plenty of big budget mm. films that are atrocious. Skyline. Mm-hmm. Skyline's a very good example. Transformers 2. <laughs> Another great example. Yeah. <laughs> gamers. <laughs> we can go on. Yeah. No, not gamers. That's Gamer. Quite good.
0: Gamer. <laughs> yes. Important, Important difference. Distinction. Yes. Um, so, Temporary Status was the movie we got out of it. Um, it is. What... Were your thoughts on the finished product?
1: I'm very happy with it. Um, There are some technical um, issues that we've certainly learnt um, to give ourselves more time in post next time so we could correct those next time. It is a learning process. Um, I feel that temporary status as a whole is a a good little shot. We've told a good little story. It looks very nice. Within a 48-hour constraint, I think we've shot a fantastic level film. Yeah, and uh, going
0: forward into next year, because we'll probably do it again, um, any particular changes to the way you do things? Is there like, any additional crew positions or
1: something that would make the whole process a bit more slick? I can't imagine what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, definitely. There uh, We've got a fantastic team. The production side of the team um, is very practiced now. Um, between the few films that we've done, and we've got a really good dynamic there. Um, we've got a great writing team behind us. Everything leading up to, and including the production, is fantastic. Um, the, the problem that we had is um, this year we actually shot too much footage. Last year we didn't quite shoot enough. Um, we overcompensated this year, and we had a slight issue with um, trying to locate footage off of the uh, the cards. So I think um, a second AD is what we really need to keep track of footage um, and deal with the technical side of things while the rest of the crew is shooting yeah. so that the editor can really get on and crack on with the right footage and get it edited much yeah, quicker. Yeah, it does
0: seem that half of the editing process on these 48 hours is actually just going through the footage and trying to figure out what you've got and where it is and logging in and going from there. So if, if that process could be reduced, then that'd be fantastic.
1: Yes, Okay, so what's next for you, Chris? Next project?
0: Uh, Can anything?
1: (laughs) (laughs) My next project is um, currently working on uh, in pre-production on a mini-series for Arms Race. Um, The short we shot a couple of years ago and came out last year. Um, We're going to do a mini-series of that, six
2: episodes. You may well have seen Arms Race as part of the Sci-Fi London Shorts programme.
0: Yes, that is actually screening. During the festival, which is nice. Um, And if you're not able to make it to the festival, uh, you can go find it at armsracemovie.com. So yes, there's more Arms Race to come. There is is Very exciting stuff. Okay, well thank you Chris for your insight there. And I'm sure with all the future projects going on, we'll be hearing from you again
2: in the future. Um, But if you'd like to stick around for the trailer park. Yes indeed, the trailer park are... Regular trip into the unknown world of crazy films that are coming up. Yeah, it's a a risky business. Once again, just to refresh you, uh, or if you've never listened to the podcast before, uh, what we like to do is go to the Apple website and pretty much choose the first five trailers that are available on there on any given day. Uh, We watch them, and then we give you our opinions on the trailers. And uh, It's good to remember that we're not necessarily reviewing the film here, just the trailer.
0: Yes, yeah, because
2: you can have a good film with a bad trailer and vice versa. Mm. So, kicking off,
0: we have when Harry tries to marry.
2: Well, when I started watching this, Simon, I jotted down in my notepad that it looks like Toshfield, uh, Toshfield College Fest, leading to arranged marriages. I assume it's a comedy of sorts. Mm-hmm. I have no idea.
1: It certainly looked like a rom com. Yes, but there was certainly nothing funny <laughs> about it.
0: <laughs> no, no, and but also in terms of the trailer. It's one of these trailers where even if you actually are interested in the film, there's not really many point in going to see it because the trailer shows you every single no, thing that it seemed like it was like 20 minutes, didn't it? Mm, mm. And, and literally it did seem to show every major event in the movie.
1: Yes, uh, trailers normally show the highlights of films, mm. not
2: the entirety of the plot. Yeah. Mind you, if that's the highlights of the films, it's not really...
0: A... yeah. Yeah, the main problem is it just looks so incredibly generic. Um, yep, I mean, no, despite some interesting locations and maybe a different focus culturally, it, they'd still managed to somehow shoehorn it into the rom-com formula. So it just didn't look yep, fresh at nothing all. nothing new.
1: No. It also seems a little bit late for uh, where it was trying to go with the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been done, and it doesn't seem then, like there was anything new there either. Yeah, just, yeah. just to yeah.
2: Anyway, it does seem to be... Um, it's an American uh, set, uh, what happens when arrangements marriages happen uh, in an Indian community uh, leading into some sort of Bollywood extravaganza but stuff we've seen uh, in England in, in, since the 90s yeah so mm-hmm. nothing, anyway that's enough of that uh, so as per usual uh, with the trailers we like to rate them using our Gertie scale of yeah. uh, smiley faces we're not going to explain Gertie anymore but suffice it to say yeah, if to you do don't it. know
0: what it is then shame on you shame on you right so Simon uh, sad face yeah sad side. face to me as well yes.
2: Chris sad face, sad
0: face. Mm-hmm. okay moving on to something Entirely different Troll Hunter.
2: Now this looks good. Fantastic looking little trailer. (laughs) Yeah. It's a tongue-in-cheek monster movie uh, with trolls as the monster. Yeah, more trolls than I expected as well. Yeah.
0: Um, I'd assumed it would be one One troll troll in a really cheap monster outfit. And maybe a fun little movie, but it actually looks like they've done everything you could possibly do with trolls in a
1: movie. Fantastic right. looking CGI, and even a two-headed troll, I believe yeah, I saw yeah. in there. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah. Everything about it was surprising, really, because it just kept showing you new things you didn't really expect to see. Um, it, it seems to be shot in a kind of Blair Witchy Blair style. Of style, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which looks. I mean, I guess these troll hunters are going around. Filming trying to find them like storm chasers or something like that, except they're finding trolls. Yeah. and uh, yeah, loads of trolls,
1: looks great. Some very it's, huge trolls, yeah. as well. Yes, yes yeah. if you're
2: a fan of trolls, you'll love this movie. Yeah, so Simon, yeah, uh, yeah, smiley face, yeah, definitely. smiley face for me, smiley face for me, three smiley faces. Well yeah. done, troll hunter, smiley face with a big warty nose. Yeah, all <laughs> right, next we have High Cost of Living, um, where it looks to be some sort of stalker based film after running somebody over, and that's quite dull. Yes, blah blah
0: blah, <laughs> featuring Zach Braff from Garden State and that hospital comedy show, Green are, Wing. No, no, not that one. No, the other one, it's... the American one. All oh, right, I yes,
2: guess.
0: yeah, Scrubs. No, that's, that the one. that's the one. Well, um,
2: oh, that's the most interesting part of that trailer. Yes, indeed. And it I was. didn't
0: actually. What interested me the most from the trailer is that Zach Braff is looking more and more like Jeff Goldblum. I kept getting distracted by that in the trailer. Um, but that's probably not what the trailer was trying to maybe get Maybe they
2: shared some sort of a teleport pod.
0: Could be. Could have, mm. could have been that. That, that would explain it. Um, my main problem, again, is that regardless of the film, the trailer just fit into that kind of whimsical, turning point in your life kind of trailer, where everything is trying to be incredibly emotional, from the music to the editing to the dialogue to everything. and And maybe it might work in the film, because it can be paced over two hours, but when you try and compress that down into a trailer...
2: It's just well, it's it's just, a, it just—it just doesn't make you want to see the film. No, no not, really, don't, don't want me. Want to so to do that. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a sad face of me.
0: Uh, yes, even though I drew it, no I that? Yes, definitely sad face or just an ambivalent face. Really, I just didn't really care about it.
2: One <laughs> of <though. An> ambivalent <laughs> face for me, definitely. Yeah. all right Then we move on to the film, uh, *The Bleeding House*, hmm. uh, with the tagline "Unlock your doors, you might need to get out." Now. From looking at just the website of it and the tagline, this looks like it could be quite a good horror movie. And then the trailer starts. And You're not but, a fan? <laughs> no, it's it, it's a good idea for a film, but it just seems to be poorly executed in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, as we were saying, the film may be fantastic, but the trailer just doesn't fill you with any sort of a desire to watch it. It was
1: very slow for a horror movie trailer. It really didn't go anywhere and there was no real tension in there at all. Yeah, I actually really liked the trailer but
0: felt it didn't quite end right because I really liked the fact it wasn't like a horror movie trailer and it was kind of slow and it was just using dialogue from the film and it was setting up some interesting stuff and I was like, oh this is kind of interesting and then it kind of just stopped and didn't really give me anything to actually know what the film
1: was. It did appear that all, the main element of horror is that some people get bled in a house, which yeah. again doesn't really doesn't Still. fill you with any enthusiasm for that oh, really? being horror. Yeah, and it did seem like the film might be going down
0: that kind of southern states mm-hmm. America weird family route, which has been done a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yes. so
2: I'm um, uh, I mean, uh, ambivalent, but veering towards sad face for me for that one.
0: Okay, I'll go for an ambivalent with a a slight cheeky grin because
2: I think there's maybe potential in there. I think just plain sad face, I'm afraid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, and the last of the trailers in the trailer park uh, this episode it is a film called Brothers Justice.
0: Yes. Which um, is
2: directed by and starring Dex
1: Shepard. This excited me so much when it came up on screen. Yeah. Picture of a man in a hat with guns, overly large explosions yep. out of the guns. Looked like a great little comedy. Yeah, if this was the poster park, we'd be giving it uh, an epic smiley face.
2: <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, but the trailer was somewhat unexpected. Yeah, as opposed to it actually being a, a tongue-in-cheek kung fu movie, which is what I was expecting and hoping for. It, Wayne it, just did some kung fu, but you couldn't really see it. Uh, that's true, on yeah, audio. yeah, on audio. Yeah. Um, back to the kung fu. Um, yeah, I was really hoping it was going to be some sort of 70s prestige style mm. uh, kung fu uh, uh, thriller. Um no, as it turned out, it was about a chap who's not particularly talented at martial arts wanting to make a martial arts movie. So it's um, in the same vein as like The Office. Uh, or, yeah, that seems uh, to be what of, it was trying to go for. Yeah, 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 in so much as it's a documentary following someone who's trying to make a movie. Uh, there's a few um, sort of familiar comedy faces. Um, John from, Favreau showed up, didn't he? Yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. a few of those. Um, I don't know, uh, sort of whimsical. I don't see anything I can really. I think the problem I had is because I love um,
0: extras and The Office and that style of humour, but this seemed to be trying to
1: go for that without actually really getting there, and it just wasn't particularly funny for me. Mm. Um, I hate to say, but it did seem like another American version of that style of comedy, yeah. and I haven't seen
2: one work yet. Yeah. And I'd yeah. Love, to, love to be proven wrong. But yeah haven't been yet like say, so once again it's a trailer which started out as like it was going to be so good up until the point they started telling you what the film was about yeah the trailer was a bit flat as well it didn't really there's no laughs go in go it go
0: anywhere or, yeah cause like it started out right even though it was completely different to what I expected I was mm-hmm. kind of like oh this could be interesting different approach and, and then it just sort of stayed at that yeah. level and then stopped
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> right so um, give sad a face I'm afraid sad face well I'm going to give this a sad face but I'm going to give Brothers Justice, the movie they're trying to make in the film, a smiley face, because I still think that could be a good movie. Yeah, and a smiley face for the poster. <laughs>
1: yeah. Ambivalent face with, with just a slight upturn. I'm hopeful that actually the film itself could be good, but the
2: trailer isn't great. Yeah. yeah. Right, so that's the end of the trailer park this week. Um, and just for the final ten minutes or so of the show, we're just going to have a quick run-through of the um, of the movies which made the shortlist of the Sci-Fi London 48-hour film competition. Alas, Temporary Status did not make it onto no. the shortlist. No. Um, but these are the following films. We'll just run through them quite quick because uh, I'm sure as the judges who had to sit through over <laughs> 174 or whatever it was of these films, um, it can get quite... quite yeah. um, Quite a challenge to watch a lot in one go. Yes, it can indeed. So, so well yes, the judges st- for a
0: start. They started off. I think there was 250 teams entered or something like that, and 170 odd teams actually managed to complete the task and get a film in, and then the judges have whittled it down to this 10 film shortlist. So mm. from the top, uh, we have Silent Girl.
2: Yes, uh, it's quite an interesting setup uh, with a. It seems to be like a Victorian-style cloning. Um, science experimenty kind of film. Mm, the most impressive thing was the fact it was a period piece. Yeah, that was really good. That was stunning and really well
0: done. Um, excellent acting as well, yes. I thought. Um had a nice, slightly kind of pulpy feel to it in terms of some of the acting.
2: Um, it was verging on steampunk as well, but they yes. managed to stay the more just pure scientific side of things mm-hmm. um, as opposed to going that other way. But I could see this appealing to a certain... Yeah, Um, definitely. A set of the audience. Yeah, they really set a nice atmosphere
0: and tone, and Mm -hmm. yeah, very effective there. Um, I'd like to know a bit more about exactly how it linked in with Mm -hmm. the modern day bit, Um, but yeah, it was impressive production value. so, so well done. Indeed. No Escape. This is a lovely looking movie, Um, clearly shot on some very nice equipment, um, with some pretty cool CG thrown in, and... yeah, what did you think of it? Well, I thought it looked good,
2: but to be honest, I couldn't really follow what was going on.
0: Yeah, I didn't fully grasp the story. I, I, again, I love the setting, mm. um, kind of reminiscent of the Half-Life kind of universe, that sort of thing. Um, the style of it was fantastic as well. I loved that they kind of, for most of the running time, just went with the score and had very, very little actual sound going yeah. on. Um, very effective and probably very clever as well in terms of the 48-hour because the less sound work you actually have to do, the easier when it comes to that kind of thing. So, yeah, probably very clever the way they pulled that together. Yep. All right, Good Night, Rosemary. Oh, good night. Good night. I'm not called Rosemary. Sorry. Oh, no, neither am I. Um, so, yeah, I really like this one. Yeah, I thought um, this is
2: quite creepy. And I, I, it's had a sort of misery kind of uh, feel mm,
0: to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much a uh, creepy story. Well, actually, I don't want to give too much away to no. <laughs> So I won't say too much about what it's about, but it's uh, definitely worth watching, Good Night, Rosemary. Um, good story, and... Probably the cleverest use of the prop from their brief. Um, it's very, very blatant the way they use it, but it's quite cheeky and clever. I yes. Liked it. No, it works so well. I, like, I quite like that one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, two Years of Summer. It's got a tank. It's got a tank. Yeah, there's a tank in it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's quite a good story idea as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: quite well executed.
0: Yes, yeah, good acting. Um, I don't know, yeah, the actors all seemed... Um, to know what they were doing. Yes, they knew what they were doing, but were maybe a bit too clean. They looked like they'd all had just like, had a wash or something. Mm. I, I could have done with a bit more grime in the kind of post-apocalyptic thing. But yeah, um, yeah, interesting story. And again, I think all the ones that I've liked watching are ones where you want to know more about the story yeah. and you'd like to see some more done in that kind of world. And that was definitely one of the the candidates for that. Um, right, Red Rain. Um, very quirky this one yes
2: Um, I I like the way they used the uh, took their title and made it really part of the movie so it's sometimes you get these short films where the title of the film doesn't really make sense to the film you're watching as Chris was saying earlier on if you do a lot of pre-prep you're going to fall into this sort of trap Um, but uh, Red Rain um, they incorporate all the elements they were giving into the story as part of the film and um, and it's good plot development it's got a nice punchline as well Uh, The punchline of the film
0: is good. And I like the way it's this sort of post-apocalyptic scenario, but it's done with a lot of quirky humour. Yeah. Um, So, yes, sit in silence. Um, Yeah, this is quite horrific, actually. Mm. (laughs) Um, Particularly the second half. Um, I thought the second half in particular was really effective um, and quite traumatising, which... uh, I think is what the filmmakers were going for. So. Yeah,
2: it was um, it's very moody and also they managed to get some good locations as well, so you know, more than them for being able to find such a thing. And, and that's one thing which really does make these movies, if you get a good location or if you're lucky enough to have a good location nearby, yep. then um, and you can really make use of it and it really does really does make a big difference. Yeah. And, and uh, without wanting to
0: spoil what happens, it's got some rather nice creature work in it as well. Yes. <laughs> okay, next. Uh, Absence. Cool. Uh, this is the teleporting movie.
2: Yes, I quite like this one. Yes, Um, it's it's the most uh, humorous one of the lot on the shortlist. Yeah, and, and I think you know there is a place for humor in in sci-fi. Yeah, there's a lot of wit, and
0: it's nicely um, kind of restrictive in terms of its setting and what it does. In that it's very it kind of repeats the same scene several times yeah. throughout the course of the film. Uh, each time something slightly different happens, and, yeah. and that worked really nicely. Cause yeah. It's not trying to introduce tons and tons of plot. It's just got this really tight little thing it's telling.
2: Yeah, very easy to watch. And So some short films are, seem to take a lot longer yes. uh, than the three or four minutes they're running for, <laughs> but absence certainly just flashes by, which is a good thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, the White Box. Um, uh, this is quite traditional sci-fi. Um, it's a story I've seen um, quite a lot of times before, um, which we don't want really to give too much away mm-hmm. um, with what's going on, because uh, if you're a sci-fi fan, when it gets into the film you'll know that's definitely got a lot of uh, sci-fi influences. But very well executed, very good effects, um, good setting as well.
0: Yeah, um, they did a good job of getting a sense of wonder into it, Mm -hmm. which is something I always love in my sci-fi. And through their music and the way they shot it and the acting, they really kind of got that effect, which, yeah, that was great fun. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, Right, The Intention of Miles. I like this one. It's
2: quite gory. Mm Mm-hmm. good use of the props they, they had and um, yeah, yeah very good
0: it's got great sound it's it's a really visceral movie and that every time this guy's operating on himself you really feel it mm. um, so it's like great combination of sound and acting and the, the prosthetics or whatever effects they've managed to do to create that stuff yeah. um, uh, nice cinematography um, a large part of the film just takes place in one corridor um, and it's pretty much the one shot as well yep um, but it's a really really good shot mm. so yeah works superbly well i thought um and finally we have whisper um which in some ways is a similar setup to red rain i suppose Mm. in that you've got a small group of characters stuck in a loft or a room uh in a kind of post-apocalyptic scenario
2: well i'm post-apocalyptic because this is what we we did but post-apocalyptic is very uh easy to go for on such a short um time scale because it's uh it gives you a good excuse to only have a few people in it and yeah. have them hold up in one location,
0: yeah. <laughs> as we discovered. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I loved about this is that they don't try to explain it No. at all. Um, there's just this strange phenomenon going on that means you have to be very quiet. And if you go over a certain decibel limit, then bad things are going to happen to yeah. you. Um, really simple concept. And they've got this cool prop on the wall that so you can see exactly how loud yeah. they're being. Um, so really easy to understand. Um, they don't ever have to explain it in dialogue or anything like that. It's just all naturally kind of evolves out of the story. Um, the dialogue's really good. Um, good acting. And yeah, I thought it was really intriguing. Hmm.
2: Um, okay, I, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I really like the style of it. Uh, it, was, it had a very different style from anything else I've seen
2: yep. in the competition. Uh, so yeah, a uh, really good shortlist actually. Okay, I so think. of all the words, if you were Edgar Wright then, Simon, mm-hmm. um, and you had to choose one of these to be the winner... Yeah. I want to put you on the spot, but I'm putting you on the spot here. Which would you choose? Mm. What's your favourite?
0: Um, I think it would probably come down to either Goodnight Rosemary or Whisper. I think those are the two that I felt used their brief the best um, and in the most interesting ways, while also being really good short films, Like regardless of that fact.
2: Yeah. I think I'd go for Absence because of all of those, it's the one I enjoyed watching the most. hmm Yeah. Yep, which true. is important in the film. Yes, I wouldn't disagree with you there. Right. Honourable mentions to a couple of films, well at least to one film I saw which didn't make it onto the list, which was Sketchpad, which I thought was uh, an excellent little short film and really should have been, in my opinion, on the short list. <laughs> so that's one to go and chase up and have a look through as well. Excellent, excellent.
0: Yes, so that was the 48-hour film challenge this year from Sci-Fi London. Uh, and yeah, we'll probably be doing it again next year if we can... Get the crew together yep. and figure out a way to get more sleep. Uh, yep. so yeah, um, and
2: well done to all the teams for so managing to get the films in because it is quite a lot of hard work and it's all really good. Yeah,
0: simply finishing a movie in that time period is pretty amazing, regardless of the quality of it, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so yeah, and good
2: good luck to all the people on the shortlist. Okay. And uh, Chris, any final comments about the shortlist or any of the films you've seen? I
1: personally haven't watched any of the shortlist yet. I haven't. I can't bring myself to do it. Um, (laughs) I will do, but I don't want to think about the 48 hour film at all for at least another couple of weeks. It it does kind of get into your brain and won't let go for quite a while. Right,
2: so I think we're going to wrap it up there because it's time for a barbecue. Yes. Um, So we're going to try and be a bit more regular again. I know you've heard that with our podcasting. Every episode we say we're going to be a bit more regular, but say, as someone said earlier on, we're going to go a slightly different route and try and look at some of the more independent films that are out there, and hopefully we'll be able to have a few new features. So Yes, yeah, so and we'll be uh, trying
0: to talk to some more indie filmmakers uh, about their work and how they approach stuff when they're working on tiny budgets or no budgets at all, and uh, yes, yeah, so hopefully can be some informative stuff in there as well
2: yep so keep your RSS feed up to date so i uh, just like to thank Christopher for joining us today thank you very much for having me and, and that's alright our pleasure and um, so that's it so it's a, a goodbye from me and a goodbye from me goodbye if you'd like to contact us you can email Simon and Wayne at spiffingreview.com Follow us on Twitter at Spiffing Review or visit our website, spiffingreview.com. Thanks for listening.